0: Our Scripture reading for this second Sunday of Lent um, is going to come from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. He wrote two of them. This is the second one. We're going to read from chapter 5, verses 17-21. through I invite you to listen carefully for God's promises and God's Word to us this morning. The Apostle Paul writes this, If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. And look, behold, new things have come into being. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the One who knew no sin to be sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches for his sins are many. Let's pray. Holy and merciful God, may something of what is said and done here today, or at least something of of what is seen and heard here in this room today, be not of me, be not of our choir, be not of us, may it be of you, of only you. may it be of you and your work. may it be of your promises for us and your calling to us, the things that you, O oh God, have done for us, and the things that you would have us do for you, O oh God, in our lives and in this your world. In your holy name, we ask this. Amen. Will you seek? To serve and love the Christ in all people. That's one of the questions that people are asked when they are confirmed into the life of our church. Will you, as a member of the church, seek to serve and love the Christ in all people? So a young man um, walks in and he sits down in the office. His hair is disheveled. He didn't even bother to wear a tie. He's got stains all over his shirt. Truth is, he has no business even sitting down for this interview. He doesn't have the education for the job. And with the education he has, he, he didn't make the grades. He doesn't have the work experience. He doesn't even have the work ethic. And yet, he's here. He shows up and guess what? He gets the job. Why does he get the job? Well, the partner in the firm who gave him the interview told him, he said, you know, your, your your father was really important to this company. It'll be an honor to have another member of your family working here. Now, a young man, he didn't earn the job. Someone else, you could say maybe his dad earned it for him. Customer walks up to the counter and has this cross look on his face. Listen carefully, he says to the young college student who's sitting behind the counter. I need half and half in my coffee, not whole milk. Do you understand? "Uh, uh, Yes, sir, she says very shyly. "Um, I don't think you do. You need to write it down. I said half and half, not whole milk. Last time I came into one of these coffee shops, they completely screwed up my order and I'm absolutely tired of it. Now this young woman, she didn't earn this customer's scorn. She did nothing to deserve it. I suppose you could say that her co-worker earned it for her. Meanwhile, at that exact same coffee shop, something wild is taking place outside in the drive-thru line. There's this woman. She pulls up to the window and she's told that her order has already been paid for by the person in line in front of her. What a kind thing to do. So she asked the barista at the window, how much is the order of the person behind me? And she then pays for the drinks and the person in line behind her. Now that person in line behind her, they didn't earn that generosity or that act of kindness, I suppose you could say, it was earned by the driver in front of him. In the courtroom, the defendant has been found guilty. And the offense, everybody says, is minor. Everyone, including her attorneys, has assured her that she's going to get off with community service. But the day of sentencing comes and the judge throws the book at her. She says, I've seen your kind before, spoiled and entitled, and I've gone easy on your kind before, and I've watched nothing change, no behavior, no regrets at all. Well, not today. You're going to jail. Now, did this defendant deserve her sentence? Maybe part of it. Or at least part of it, it seems, was maybe earned for her by others there's a word a Christian word that describes what's happening in all these examples I've just given and and you probably have not heard this word before it's definitely not a word that we use in everyday speech even though it happens all the time the word is imputation imputation Uh, loosely defined what imputation is is when you give to someone what someone else deserves you treat a person not according to how they deserve to be treated but according to how someone else deserves to be treated uh, today i want to talk about this word a little bit and the reason i want to talk about it is because it cuts at the very heart of what is going on with the good news of the christian faith if you can understand this concept of imputation you can understand christianity Imputation happens all the time, all around us in ways that are both positive and ways that are negative. So sometimes it comes in the form of projection, right? Like the guy at the coffee shop, he's projecting his previous experience at the coffee shop on the woman behind the counter. She, she wasn't the one that messed up his order, but he imputed his previous experience on her and treated her according to how one of her co-workers previously deserves to be treated. You see? Um, sometimes imputation can be a positive thing too, like paying it forward at the drive-thru line, right? You impute the kindness of the driver in front of you onto the driver in line behind you. Nepotism is also a form of imputation because they liked the father, they give the son the job, even if the son isn't qualified or ready for the job at all. You treat someone according to how someone else deserves to be treated. That's imputation. Imputation can be both good and it can be bad, but it's never fair. Amputation is never fair. The fair thing goes like this. It would go like this. Sometimes people do things for other people that deserve to be rewarded or to be celebrated or to be honored. We do good things for each other. Kind things, compassionate things. And then sometimes people do things to each other that deserve to be condemned and punished and scorned. We do harm to others we do evil things we do sinful things and the truth is in all of us there is something to be celebrated and there's something to be condemned and in theory the way the world ought to work if the world is fair is that we should give to each other what we deserve we should reward the good that ought to be rewarded and we should condemn the bad that ought to be condemned in theory that's how it should work but it doesn't work that way i mean you and i know it doesn't work that way for whatever reason it turns out that that we human beings we're not actually all that good at judging what people deserve to get from us our judgment gets clouded by all kinds of biases and projections and stereotypes and prejudices and fears. And as a result, we often end up celebrating evil and condemning the good. And when we do, it's not because we think what is good is evil and what is evil is good. It's because what we're usually doing is we're giving others not what they deserve, but the rewards and the punishments that someone else has earned we are imputing each other on each other this happens all the time and this is how the world around us becomes deeply deeply unfair so what are you supposed to do about this What can anybody do about a world where this happens all the time? Is there a solution? Well, if you're here today, I'm here to tell you there is a solution. God has a solution to this problem. God has a plan. And the plan, you might say, has more or less three very basic steps. So let's start with step one. Step one, you might say, started a long time ago in a remote region of the Roman Empire known as Galilee in Judea. Now you probably know this story well. Um, according to all the accounts that we had, there was this man and his name was Jesus. Jesus. And this man, Jesus, came and He lived a life unlike any life that any human being had ever lived. He lived a life that knew nothing of the harmful things. Nothing of the evil and the sinful things that we all go about doing to each other, the things that deserve condemnation and scorn. He left nothing in His life to be condemned. He lived a life that was entirely made up of the goodness and the compassion and the kindness that we at our best are capable of doing. For others, the kind of life that deserves nothing but reward and celebration and honor. And you might think that this remarkable life would provide for us a kind of model that we could follow, an example that we could set for ourselves, a way that we could come to maybe judge ourselves and each other a little bit better and treat each other a little bit better. But that's not quite how it goes. As the story goes with this Jesus found in our midst, we human beings went ahead and did the thing that we always do and we proved ourselves to be a terrible judge of what people deserve because he was not rewarded for his goodness He was not celebrated and he was not honored for his compassion and his kindness. Instead, we gave him the exact opposite of what he deserved. We gave him condemnation. We gave him punishment and we gave him scorn. And we hung him on a cross and said, there you go, now you can die. We gave him not what he deserved. We gave him what we deserve. He was innocent. You are not. I am not. He did no one harm. We've done plenty of harm even when we don't mean to. You see, what happened on the cross is we imputed ourselves, we imputed each other, our harmfulness, our evil, our sin, unto him. He who had no sin became sin for us. And what does that say about us? What does that say about us? human beings about our anthropology about how unfair we are about how clouded our judgment of what deserves to be rewarded and what deserves to be punished must be we, we go around giving each other what we don't deserve imputing unearned evil and good on each other so much that when one person who shows up deserving nothing but reward nothing but honor and celebration, we end up abandoning him and rejecting him and beating him and leaving him for dead. What does that say about us? Well, it ain't good. But that's only step one. There's three steps. That's only step one. Step two, step two starts here. It starts just a few days later. Right a few days later, there was these women who knew him and, and went to his grave. And when they got there, they found it empty. See, the cross is not the end of Jesus. It was was not the end of the good things that He came to bring, of that compassion, of that kindness that overflowed from Him. In fact, the world's condemnation of Him was not final. It didn't get the last word. And so, if step one is a conviction of who we are as human beings, then what you find here in step two is a promise. A promise that says everything that ever needs to be done has already actually been done. The promise is this, when all the work of our lives is through and this world, this very world, has run its course and we stand face to face with God, the one judge who can actually judge with true and right clarity and give an account for all that we've done, the good and the harm, what we're actually going to get is not what we deserve. Instead, what God is going to give to you and to me Is what Jesus deserves. All the compassion, all the kindness, all the goodness and the innocence and the righteousness with which Christ made his way through the world, all of that is going to be imputed on us, on you, and on me. And this is the very grace of God. For us, it is not condemnation, it's not punishment, it's not scorn even though we might well deserve it. What we get from God, what we get with God, is reward and celebration and honor and glory, not because of what we've done, but because of what He has done. And that is our ultimate hope. That is what we call good news. Christ comes among us And we impute each other and all of our human sin and anxiety on to Him until He dies on a cross. But then Christ rises again and God imputes Christ and all of His divine goodness and grace on you and on me. Until we meet in glory forever. Step one, step two, and maybe you think all that's just a vague theory. Maybe you think all of that is just pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking. Well, if you're wondering how any of this could have any kind of practicality for us, could mean anything tangible for us, then now you got to consider step three. Because step three is where you find yourself right here and right now, where each and every one of us finds ourselves right here and right now. And at step three, you and I, having been promised far more than we ever deserve, far more than we could ever earn for ourselves, have been given a calling. We've also been given a cause, a task, a mission to go forth and complete. And the mission goes something like this. Since God has imputed Christ and all of His goodness onto you and onto me, what you must now do, Is go out and with everything you can, try your best to impute Christ and all of his goodness onto everyone you meet. Onto everyone you meet. What if we tried not to give each other what we deserve? But what if we tried to give to others what Jesus deserves? What if you could give to others what Jesus deserves from you? If you could find ways to honor someone, even when they've been completely dishonorable... To show reward for people's compassion and kindness even when they've shown nothing of the sort. All of this, of course, is a tall ask. It is a costly mission. And it is not an easy one to accomplish. It will cost you much to strive to see people in this way. But you must understand. You must understand. All you are doing, all you are doing is trying to see other people with the same eyes with which God sees you and God sees them. The Christ that has been imputed on them. Given to them. Will you see? to serve and to love the Christ in all people. In all people. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we ask it. Amen.